And we are back. Welcome back to another episode of the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. Big road win last weekend in Pittsburgh as Scott Satterfield and company are now 2-0 in the young college football season. So we will do a box score recap on that game. And then we'll touch base on how the Cincinnati Reds are doing. Yes, it's September baseball, and the Reds are still in the hunt for the postseason. If you would have told me that in March or April, I would have thought you guys were lying to me. So it's a good thing that Reds baseball is relevant in the month of September. Only 16 games left of the season for baseball, so it's getting real right now. All right, let's talk about the Bearcats football team. A 27-21 win over the Pitt Panthers last Saturday to improve the 2-0 in the young season. It was a nail-biter win at the end with UC holding on after jumping out to an impressive two-plus touchdown lead in the first half. The defense forced a quick three-and-out to begin the game. This is the Bosco recap of the game. First offensive drive was a beautiful four-play, 64 yards, took a minute and 24 seconds off the clock. Quarterback Emory Jones found Peyton Singletary for a 12-yard touchdown reception to give UC a 7-0 lead. And then the defense, another 3 and out, and the next catch drive, they went 10 plays, 74 yards, took 2 minutes and 20 seconds off the clock, and it ended in a Carter Brown field goal from 22 yards, 10 nothing Cincinnati. Then Pitt scored to make it 10 7. Then UC punted. And then Pitt missed an important field goal. That was a big deal in this game from 42 yards out. And then UC capitalized with a seven play, 76 yard, took three minutes and seven seconds off the clock. And Corey Kiner, who ran like a beast last Saturday, ran in for seven yards to give UC a 17 7 lead. And then Pitt punted. And then the longest drive of the game came in the first half for Cincinnati. 17 plays, 69 yards. Nice. It took 8 minutes and 11 seconds off the clock. And it ended with a 47-yard field goal by Carter Brown. Bearcats lead 20-7 to at halftime. And then UC's next score to begin the second half was a four-play, 36-yard. Took a minute and 40 seconds off the clock. Emory Jones found Braden Smith in the same right-hand corner in the end zone where Pike the Benz happened in 2009, that famous play to beat Pitt and send UC to the BCS uh, Sugar Bowl. And unfortunately, we won't talk about that, but that's an iconic play in UC football history. Same play that happened, same end zone. Jones to Smith, what an adjustment catch by Braden Smith. Whew. One of the best catches so far in the young college football season. That made it 27 Cincinnati 7. I don't know why I just said that. 27 7 Bearcats. There's a lot of sevens in that. <laughs> so I'm thinking while watching this game, okay, the Bearcats are up by 20 points. It should be a breeze. But knowing me and I live in the city of Cincinnati. No lead is safe in this city when it comes to my sports teams. And then Pitt, ironically, goes on a 14 to nothing run. UC's offense pretty much stalled. They got a little too conservative after that big play that Jones found Braden Smith. And 
shout out to the Bearcats defense. It was able to hold Pitt in their last offensive drive of the game. It was successful, and it turned the ball over on downs. And then UC's offense was able to run down the last four minutes and 10 seconds off the clock. And that is your final score. Bearcats 27, Panthers 21. Here is your box score stats for the team. Emory Jones 18 for 26. He only threw for 126 passing yards. He had two touchdowns, one interception, a QBR rating of 61.3. Braden Smith did have a throw in this game on a trickeration. He was one for one for 30 yards. He's perfect. And then Corey Kiner, whew, what a game. 20 carries for 153 rushing yards, 7.7 average per rush, one touchdown, and then he had a long of 68 yards that came in the first quarter. He almost had a touchdown, but then he ran out of gas near the 10-yard line. Braden Smith had five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown reception. And then we got Peyton Singletary with four catches for 24 yards and that touchdown. Defense played well. Jack Dingle, seven tackles, one sack, two tackle for losses. Jawan Briggs and Dante Coylon each had a sack. And as a whole, the Bearcats defense had five sacks as a whole. 371 total yards of offense, 216 on the ground, 155 on the pass. And then time of possession, UC dominated 34 to 25. And then on the defensive side, the Bearcats held Pitt to 262 total yards of offense. Great win. And going into this game, the Bearcats were six and a half point favorites. And I had this game as a win when I was doing the preview podcast of the Cincinnati Bearcats football season. It's a big win. I don't care what anybody says. People are saying, well, you beat Pitt. Yeah, but we came into this game as underdogs. It's a road win. And mind you, we have a new coaching staff, new head coach, new players. We have same players, but they're playing different roles of the teams because some of them were not starting last year. And now this year, they're starting on this team. It's a whole lot going on with the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. To find a way to win on the road against a quality opponent like the Pitt Panthers, I would take that to the bank. Like, I don't know why some Bearcat fans are not really too hype about this win. Now, some are like, okay, now expectations are high now since the Bearcats are now 2-0. I say just pipe down on the expectations, okay? Before the season, I said six wins for this team. Now I am saying that it's still going to be six wins. They're four wins away from being bowl eligible. It's going to get tough once Big 12 play comes along, okay? But I think you can be optimistic, optimistic about this season because I think a lot of Bearcat fans were too unsure about this team, including myself. And I think you guys have heard me throughout the offseason saying that I wasn't really on board with the Scott Satterfield hire. It looks like the players really love playing for him. And that's all that matters. It seems like the chemistry is great with the team. I know only two games in the season, but it just feels like the locker room really loves each other. They had a video posted of them just, they were blaring music and Scott Satterfield had some shades on and just bumping the music. 
it was, it was just having a good time because they, they just are coming off a solid road win. So I'm just going to continue to watch this team play and hopefully they continue to get better week by week. And they got the Miami, Ohio Redhawks coming into Nipper Stadium Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Battle for the victory bell. This is not even a rivalry game, okay? UC has won 16 in a row. The last Miami, Ohio Redhawk win was on September 25th of 2005 at Jaeger Stadium. The Redhawks won that game going away 44-16. to That was Ben Roethlisberger's last season as a Redhawk. It's been 18 years since the Redhawks have beaten the Bearcats. Is it going to happen this year? No. Now, in the last couple of years, the Red Hawks have gotten close. They should have won in 2016. They blew that game at Jaeger Stadium. I was at, I was at that game. I was like, all right, they're finally going to get us. And out of nowhere, the Bearcats just pulled off a miracle because Miami, Ohio did what Miami, Ohio do, is just play shitty football. <laughs> so I think that the Bearcats are going to win this game. They better. They better blow out Miami. Don't even give the Red Hawks even hope in this game. It's a home game. It's nip at night. It's going to be a sellout crowd, 13 straight sellout crowds in Nipper Stadium. And the Bearcats are coming up for a great win against Pitt. The fan base is hype. And I hope the Bearcats do not take the Red Hawks lightly. And I hope they don't sleepwalk them because... Looming ahead is Oklahoma next Saturday at noon. The Big 12 home opener. The first game in Bearcat history and playing in the Big 12 in the conference. Fox is going to be there. The big noon kickoff game with the panel and the crew. National spotlight on national TV. Of course, as a player, you're going to look ahead. But this is a rivalry game. With Miami, Ohio, I know, I put quotes in a rivalry game. But still, the Red Hawks really, really, really want to beat Cincinnati. But they can't because the Bearcats obviously have better players on the squad. I just hope that UC comes out and just shows no mercy to the Red Hawks and just beat the shit out of them. So, 7 o'clock, Saturday night at Nipper Stadium. If you're going to the game, be loud, wear black. Nipper that night is just so different. Even if you're playing against Miami, Ohio, it's still going to be a hostile environment no matter what. So if you're going to the game, enjoy it because it definitely is. A, it's a what I call it when it comes to nip at night. It's just something different. And Nipper Stadium is one of the most unique college football venues in the country. And a lot of people don't realize how loud that stadium can get in night when you're playing the big game. And this is a rivalry game. It's still going to be loud regardless. So go Cats. All right, let's switch in different sports and talk about our Cincinnati Reds. As I record this podcast, your Cincinnati Reds are one game out of a playoff spot. The Reds are now 75 And 71. And currently in the National League wildcard race, the Phillies have the top spot. They have a three and a half game lead. The Cubs occupied the second wildcard spot. 
and I'm looking at my laptop right now, and the Cubs just lost to the lowly Colorado Rockies. Oof. So the Cubs right now have a game and a half lead of the second spot, and then occupying the last National League wildcard spot is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who the Reds have already won the season series. So if it comes down to a tiebreaker at the end between the Reds and Diamondbacks, the Reds win the tiebreaker because of winning the season series and they're off to playoffs. So right now the Reds are in Detroit taking on the Tigers. The Reds won the opener on Tuesday, 6-5 to five in 10 innings. The Reds trailed that game in the first inning, 3-0. It looked like the Reds were going to lose to the lowly... Okay, I won't call them the lowly Detroit Tigers. The Tigers have been playing 500 baseball over the last couple of months. And it's baseball, man. It doesn't matter what team you're playing. And I know a lot of Reds fans were saying, oh, my God, you see the Reds schedule in September? Easy games against easy teams. Well, look what happened last weekend in Great American Ballpark when the Reds took on the St. Louis Cardinals, right? The Cardinals that have 79 losses, and they took two out of three from the Cincinnati Reds. Pathetic. And that's why I say that easy schedule bullshit thing in baseball doesn't matter because baseball is such a stupid sport because anything can happen. So for the Reds to lose two out of three of the Cardinals, not only in a pivotal playoff race, but to lose two out of three of the Cardinals at home. And for some reason, the Reds can't play well at Great American Ballpark. I have no idea why. So I'm pretty much ignoring people say easiest schedule to end the month of September. Nope, nope, it's baseball. It's baseball. It doesn't matter. It's just any given day in baseball, (laughs) someone can throw a perfect game. Someone, a team can score 25 runs. It doesn't matter. So the Reds, big win against the Detroit Tigers. They would have lost that game. I think they would have been dead in the water. That would have been season. So big win right there. They got two more games left with the Detroit Tigers, and then they have three games against the New York Mets this weekend. And then they'll come back home to take on the Minnesota Twins for three games starting next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates will come to Great American Ballpark next weekend for a three-game set. And then the Reds will have two games in Cleveland against the Guardians. And then to end the season, they will have three games against the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis. They're still in it, guys. The Reds have been through a lot over the last couple of weeks. Injuries, players getting COVID. I guess COVID is back. But this team, this young team, continues to fight. Jonathan India's back in the lineup. Joey Votto's back. The offense has been playing better lately, so that's a good sign. You got 16 games left. You're only a game out of a playoff spot. Can this Reds team do it? Um, I don't know. The magic number for the Reds to potentially get into the playoffs, they have to win 11 games. They're at 75 and 71. So if they win 11 games from now until the end of the season, which ends in October, that has the Reds at 86 wins. I think that that probably gets them in. 
But if they win like 10 games or 9 games, then they're going to be sweating it out the last regular season <laughs> against the St. Louis Cardinals. The last regular season game against the Cardinals, it's going to be just, you have to win that game, and then you have to be scoreboard watching and hoping that the Diamondbacks or the Marlins or the Giants lose their games. That's who the Reds are battling for that last NL wildcard spot. It's a beautiful thing that they're in this. It's fun. It's like, I don't want to, like, I want to focus on the Reds to win. Like, I don't care what other teams do. Obviously, we have to care. And scoreboard watching is fun. But at the same time, it's very stressful as hell. It really is. But it's a good thing that the Reds are relevant in September. Playing meaningful baseball. That's all we wanted. So, big game against the Tigers. They got to get these next two games. Or just take... Two out of three. People say, well, they have to sweep every series from here on out. That's not that's not possible. Not with this Reds team. It's not. Take two out of three. Take two out of three. And then we'll see how they are at the end of the season. 16 more games to go. Here we go. All right. That's pretty much it. Bearcats, Red Hawks, Victory Bell, Saturday at Nippert, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then you have Reds-Tigers on Wednesday, Reds-Tigers on Thursday, and then Reds-Mets Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then the Reds will come back home next weekend to play three against the Minnesota Twins and three against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Lots going on in the city. We got Bengals-Ravens, the Bengals' home opener at Paycor Stadium on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Big game for the Bengals after losing the opener in Cleveland in dud fashion. The Bengals will look to just rebound and just play better and score an offensive touchdown. That's what I'm hoping. And also I'm hoping for a W. I will be back after the Bengals and Ravens game concludes with an instant reaction podcast. So you guys be on the lookout for that. I appreciate all you guys listening to this podcast. We're only going up from here. I appreciate all my day one supporters And also to the new supporters out there that are listening to this podcast, welcome. And I love you guys as well. I am out. I'll talk to you guys in the next couple of days. Peace.